Zacchaeus was a very little man, and a very little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree, for he wanted his Lord to see. And as the Lord came passing that way, he looked up in the tree and said, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for I'm coming to your house for tea, for I'm coming to your house for tea. Even as a child, I was intrigued why Jesus actually wanted to go to Zacchaeus' house to have tea. And I'm still amazed about the tea thing. <laughs> Zacchaeus, as Dirk already mentioned, was the other. He was marginalized. He was pushed to the edges of social interactions because he was lear- earning his living collecting taxes for the people who were oppressing the Jews. Ordinarily, Jews didn't have tea with him. Zacchaeus represents someone I could easily hate, at least judge him for ripping his own people off, and then being shameless and climbing to get the best seat in the tree. I can understand the grumbling of the crowds, so I'm especially taken in by Jesus' words. Today, salvation has come to this house because he too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek out and to save the lost. Jesus looks past his shortness, past his sins, past all the crowds grumbling and wants to eat with him, have tea with him. This story illustrates for me the main ways I see Jesus modeling for us how to be with scripture. Number one, face the reality at hand. Number two, get close. Number three, expect transformation and change of heart when love is courageous. When I try to see like Jesus saw, I am invited and challenged to look past what what makes me call someone else the other or the one I can't stand or the one I know is not faithful or the one I know is not to be included with me and mine and I'm amazed that Jesus always seems to have a way of loving beyond belief and also challenging at the same time calling for transformation here is some of my journey of reading and engaging the Bible since I sang that song as a child. I was devout. I am devout. Try to obey as much as I can. I know that's not the inclination of everybody, but for me it can be a fault sometimes because I want to be right. Right at almost any cost sometimes. I've moved from seeing the Bible as infallible, inerrant, without mistakes, without contradiction, to seeing it as kind of messy, invitational, powerful, reliable, not perfect, but transformative, and a guide for living. I, along with with Rabbi Jack Paskoff's son, who once said to him, um, I sort of agree with his son, We don't always take the scripture literally, do we, Dad? But we take it seriously. 
And that's where I'm at today. I don't take a lot of it literally, but I take it seriously. Friday, I got an email from Palmer Seminary with a tribute to one of my professors who died last week. He was the Old Testament professor. And so I looked up um, online and found one of his articles, and it was entitled, The Key for Interpreting the Bible. I thought, okay, go figure. (laughs) And in that, and I remembered him saying it often, When we look at the scripture, we need to look at the scripture through these lenses. Christ loved enough to die. And a lot of times people love enough to kill. And so even when we read the scripture itself, that was the little lens he suggested we use. Not foolproof. It doesn't take away our arguing with each other. But it was, I found it helpful. And the tribute to him also said that he spent his life re-examining major biblical passages. So that's what I have been doing since Zacchaeus was a little man. Some people say the Bible says it, I believe it, and that settles it. And I say now, the Bible says it, I believe some of it, and it surely doesn't settle it. But it doesn't end my search for God. It doesn't end my search for following the truth in the Bible. It's just like one of my other professors said, if you say, I believe the Bible, that's like saying, I believe the library. Because there's so many different books in the Bible. There's so many different kinds of literature in the Bible. It's just like saying, I believe the library. So let's get more specific, he said. What do you believe in the Bible? How does the Bible change you? Trying to read the Bible like I think Jesus did has helped me in several ways. One I alluded to earlier was that I like to be right. And so when I see Jesus treating Zacchaeus like this, it's like, oh, wow, I'd have been way off on that one. Elsie Pennington of our congregation, I don't see Elsie today, once wrote a letter to, I believe, maybe Gospel Herald, one of the old Mennonite periodicals and was talking about wearing the head covering as I remember and she said that she believes in it she knows that some people and I don't know if she said in our congregation but she could have do not believe in wearing it anymore even though the scripture says so but she said something that that I never forgot but I may be wrong she said but I may be wrong and I've loved her dearly ever since that because I like to be right. But Elsie told me, you know what? You need to also be humble. And so when I read the scripture through Jesus' eyes, I hear Elsie speaking to me. I also um, hear another person who once said, I would be in the church if we could question things. I'd go to church yet if we could question things. So that person helps me, I think, to read the Bible like Jesus did, to sort of look at stuff, work with it. And Jesus also gives me permission to change my mind about the scripture. Ted and Lee help, helped with that, and now Ted and company, the, the people who dramatize biblical stories and come at it from a different way, they help me change my mind sometimes about what I think something is saying. And years ago, Paul Miller, a preacher professor, also wrote an article and said, I've changed my mind. I think it was about 
women being leaders. I don't even remember exactly what it was, but I think that's what it was. I've changed my mind about what the Bible says. And so these people have also given me permission to grapple with the scriptures. When I notice how Jesus reexamines the scripture and how he um, <clears throat> accepted examine scripture and certain accepted practices, I'm more attracted to the mystery and the golden thread of good news that's in the Bible. I think I love the Bible more now than I did before I started examining things more carefully. I close with this poem by Rumi. It's called Out Beyond. Out beyond ideas of wrongdoing and right doing, there is a field. I'll meet you there. When the soul lies down in that grass, the world is too full to talk about. Ideas, language, even the phrase each other doesn't make any sense. For a period of my childhood, I desperately wanted to be a boy. Maybe it was because some of my closest playmates were boys, but there were other things, like the awareness that most boys could run faster than me. Boys got asked to help move chairs from one, from one room to the other in school. The biggest one, though, was that males were mentioned in the Bible a lot. They were addressed, they were called by God and the prophets. Male pronouns were all over the place, especially for God. I decided, well, it must be better to be a boy. They appear to be more important to God, my young mind said. But I was also able to name that it just couldn't be. Could it? And then my young adult self ranted about sexism in the Bible and the church. And now my older young adult self, if I can still be in that category, can see how revolutionary Jesus was and is, but I won't tolerate the sexism that I see in the Bible, and I still wonder why I felt so alone in working these things out as a child. When my world was full of church affiliations, or was it because my world was full of church affiliations? It's pretty clear that the authors of our sacred text and the church that grew out of it have not been strong advocates for women as well as many other groups that I don't have the time to name. And this has made me weary. Come to you, come, come to me, you who are weary and are carrying heavy burdens. This passage contains deep and far-reaching words. These words are in themselves a place to go. The section just before that, though, has been a little trickier for me. I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. No one knows the Son except the Father. No one knows the Father except the Son and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal to re reveal him. It's good news for the infant or the child, but beyond that, who knows? Plus, if you haven't already gathered that my childhood dilemma was directly related to the maleness of the Bible, I can reiterate it here. Father, son, son, father, it's like a secret society that's pretty exclusionary. 
I'm specifically talking about language and its implications. So then, what can one do if she is weary of Jesus? And I don't just mean weariness of the way Jesus has been misused by the church. I mean Jesus. Weary of the person of Jesus, the male leader figure of Jesus. But what if Jesus read the Hebrew scriptures through the eyes of a woman? Maybe seeing the scripture through the eyes of Jesus means that I can own and proclaim this deep sense that Jesus alone is not enough for us to get an adequate picture of God. It seems he knew that. Consider the lilies, consider the sparrows. One thing that has given me hope in my weariness during my seminary studies was a presentation on the wisdom literature by scholar Chuck Melchert. With gentleness and wit, he opened my eyes to woman wisdom, a.k.a. Sophia. The teaching, calling, challenging voice of Sophia. She is said to have been there when the world was formed, just as Jesus' logos was. Here are some snippets from Proverbs 8. The Lord created me in the beginning of his work, before the beginning of the earth. When he established the heavens, I was there. Then I was beside him like a master worker, and I was daily his delight. Happy are those who keep my ways, for whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. And the Gospel of John says about Jesus in chapter 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him. What has come into being in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. I am no expert, but I can at least share with you that biblical scholars report some ties between the words of Jesus and woman wisdom. There are some passages in the Apocrypha that Jesus almost seems to echo in his preaching and teaching. Listen to the words of Sirach about Sophia. Draw near to me, you who are uneducated. Put your neck under her yoke. And let your souls receive instruction. See with your own eyes that I have labored but little and found for myself much serenity. Compare that with the Matthew 11 passage, where Jesus says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. While Sirach said, Put your neck under her yoke and receive instruction, referring to Sophia. I don't know if this comes across as shocking, maybe it's just interesting, or maybe it's old news. For me, feminine images of the divine are relatively new, besides the occasional reference to a female animal caring for her young. My hope is that this comes as good news. If it's good news for one 12-year-old girl in our midst, I'll be delighted. Isn't it good news that none of us is too old to discover new angles from which we can see God? There is more to Jesus and beyond Jesus, and sometimes God shows up as a woman. Both men and women, both girls and boys, need to have the opportunity and freedom to imagine all the possibilities of God's character. And if we as Mennonites believe that Jesus is the word become flesh, and that scripture as a whole has its center and fulfillment in him, then I think we need to look for how the core of our central Jesus embodies more than what we know of this first century Palestinian man. 
And I do have practical ideas to share as well. What if sometimes we sang she for the God pronouns throughout a whole song? I remember when Sarah Shirk shared a meditation one morning and then had us sing a hymn with female pronouns. I couldn't sing because it was so beautiful that I was weeping in the pew. Or what about asking the junior high class how it feels to primarily read and hear stories about men in the Bible? What ideas do they have for working through inequality? What questions do they have about the women that were often unnamed? Or maybe we could do a Sunday school class on Sophia, Woman Wisdom. This is not an exhaustive list, but my point is that I would love for us to consider how we might break down some oppressive structures, making this a better place for everyone to flourish. Besides, this continues to be a struggle outside the church, and shouldn't we offer hope? I would love for my daughter to grow up in a community where it wouldn't be odd to hear, God loves you, she cares for you. I wrote a song about God's manifestation through Sophia during seminary. Here's one part of it. By windows I watched, that's where I waited. She was calling, calling out to the jaded. Her breeze and wind may never make a sound until they've reached your holy ground. Like water running, spilling over tired feet. Like the ground that makes a body complete. Like a question with no yes or no. You're the sacred space between wonder and no. Sophia, where have you been all these years? We might have spared ourselves some tears. Where have you been all this time? We might have fallen less on this climb. You're the yesterday, tomorrow too, today's unseen that pulls us through. You're the song that we feared to sing, the silence to which some still cling. And in that darkness, the quiet night, we are healing, gaining sight. So let's be children again, or let's be ordinary people, like the ones the father-son duo reveal things to. This time, let's say, maybe Sophia calls out and tells the children to find her. And sure enough, there she is, God's delight. And then what if Jesus is there reading about all of this, this hide and seek and find, where Sophia is a prominent character, and he's learning from her, and he joins in. And thus the weariness that I have felt towards Jesus can be changed into holy delight that there is always more to be found. <laughs>